as they were just making the things and being who they were okay. out of who they were became a, a piece of art or an invention or a thought right yeah. or an idea or a concept out of just who they were and how they lived and engaged or with the things around them and the people around them Listening to the Experience Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Ajene Gaylord, and I endeavor to educate, encourage, and empower women to embrace emotional healing and eradicate the stigma of mental health in the body of Christ. On this episode, we begin our two part series on the lie of productivity. Michelle and I have a wonderful conversation about the ways that we often find ourselves paying more attention to what we do than who we are. So what I wrote down had to do with the lie of productivity, um, which is how do we get to the point that we, what we do is more important than who we are. How do we learn to rest? And I came up with the acronym for rest. Of course, I <laughs> surprise, surprise, which is not <laughs> the rest in lay down and take a nap rest, but more in mm-hmm. the placing upon rest. Like if you were to rest your pin on the table. Oh, yes. There's a sense of, oh, the table is going to support the pin. I know it can yes. be placed here for security. That's good. That's the rest yep. I want to talk about. And so the mm-hmm. acronym is to rely entirely on the spirit of truth. That's what it means to rest. To rely entirely on the spirit of truth. Um, And then what are some of the lies that we believe that lead to shame and prevent us from resting? So the lie of productivity was interesting because I was listening to an interview and they were talking about productivity. I can see the positive aspect, like as a society, not wanting people that are just mooching and being lazy and things like that. So it's like, mm-hmm. well, you need to be a productive citizen, right? And I obviously, you're not trying to say that that's not true. You don't want a bunch of people mm-hmm. who are, are just taking advantage of the work of other people. But the other side is that everybody is all about productivity and they're not looking at people as human beings. They're just looking at them. What can you do for society? What can you contribute? And and all of that. I'm reading a book with my son and talking about Michael Jordan, Abraham Lincoln, Emily Dickinson, Thomas Edison, these people that failed, right? And then, you know, Michael Jordan, it was always like, I read his one of his biographies or something when I was maybe in high school because I was a big basketball fan and, you know, you, you miss 100% of shots you don't take, but he, you know, was given the final shot this many times and he missed it this many times and things like that. But of course he kept going. He never gave up. And this may be totally off topic, but it made me think of why do we idolize certain people in history, right? That it's like we look to, oh, we need a Michael Jordan to tell us that you have to keep going. Or even when you're trying to teach your children, you know, a picture book biographies, it's like, okay, these are great stories. And nowadays, you know, they're definitely working on getting more 
people's stories out there, more regular people or um, not the same old, you know, handful of famous people, right? Trying to find kind of mm-hmm. a little more of obscure stories of people that have made a difference and such. Um, but then it goes again to that power of story and like every person has a story, whether a book is ever made about them that will live on after them, they have something to contribute just by the fact that they're on the planet earth at this time in history. And so I think just to look at people as, you know, your story is important, whether it's written down or idolized by others or not. Um, just the, the preciousness of one person. Um, mm-hmm. So, and I have a reason for that while it's like fresh on my heart too, because I just watched an adoption story, um, <laughs> which, yeah. But anyways. Yeah. I, as you were talking, I was thinking about a couple of questions to add. Like you said, why do we idolize certain people in history? And then my question in addition to that is what is our obsession with celebrities and heroes? Mm. Like what is it that makes us think like you said, or normal or ordinary stories are not as valuable as the hero story or the underdog story or the person who's accomplished something. And I, you know, I kind of feel like there's a disconnect between being able to accomplish something Mm -hmm. and acknowledging that accomplishment, but then also, being ordinary in mm-hmm. a sense, being normal or atypical. I don't like to use the word right. normal. I'd rather use atypical right. because I think there's a lot of connotation that we attach to normal yeah. and I don't like that connotation. And so I'd rather use atypical right. as a word. But I think about the greatest hero in our our entire history who wasn't a celebrity, who was well known. And I guess you would consider that being famous, but his story was tragic. <laughs> Jesus on the cross was a tragedy. Mm -hmm. It was a glorious, glamorous experience whatsoever. Mm -hmm. His entire journey from being born in a manger and hunted to be killed. You know, his family having to escape to Egypt because there was an edict like kill all the little Mm -hmm. boys because that Christ is born and we got to get rid of him to growing up into a man and and collecting some dudes Mm -hmm. (laughs) who were following him and be with him who eventually one of his main dudes turned on him and was like, I ain't even, I don't know who you're talking about when he was challenged, you know, Peter right. was challenged. And he was like, I don't know who that Christ is to being beaten and ostracized and even exchanging himself for a murderer. They wanted Barabbas. They didn't want Christ to come off of the cross. They wanted him to be crucified. He went from being honored as Hosanna right. one week to the next week. They're like, give us, you know, give us his blood, you know, put his blood on us and all that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think about if we were to tell that story today in the context of our modern understanding and we didn't connect him to being the son of God or God himself, and we just looked at what he experienced, Mm -hmm. we would not look at that with any hope or excitement or look at that as a hero story or as someone who accomplished great things and compare him to a Michael Jordan who was able to do well in his career and or uh, Jeff Bezos who you know, did well in Mm -hmm. business or any of these people, like we would not equate that story to something that seemed like we want to celebrate it. We would look at that story like that is horrible. Look at all the bad things that happened to him. 
But his sacrifice and the fact that he did what he did is the greatest story ever told. Mm -hmm. And it's the greatest sacrifice ever given for God himself to wrap himself in flesh, go through the womb to be born, to live as a helpless infant, grow into a child, grow into a teenager, Mm -hmm. go through adolescence to become a young man, to then go into ministry and give of himself and give of himself and give of himself to eventually give of his own life to where he was able to be the sacrifice for the entire world. And that if anyone chooses to believe that they are now saved and can inherit everything that he has, like that is a wonderful story, but looking at it from the lens of humanity, when we see the facts around what happened to him, we don't celebrate that. We don't see that as something that we should honor or something that we should lift up or something that we should model or even emulate. As a matter of fact, the world tells us the opposite message of get yours Get all the Mm -hmm. things, elevate to the highest level, not be humble enough to die, be humble enough to obey the father, be humble enough to give up your Mm -hmm. life. The world is saying, take everything you can take, get all that you can get, be all that you can be, do all the things, get all the Mm -hmm. money. And Christ told someone in the scriptures, like, take everything you have, a rich man, take everything you have, sell it and follow me. You know, he, this guy came up to him like, I've kept all the commandments since my youth. I've done all the right things. What should I do to follow? He said, sell all the stuff you got. Give up your wealth and your riches and follow me. And he was like, walked away grieved because that was a heavy thing to let go of. The world says, get all the things. So I think about how we even equate our lives to this productivity lie that you're supposed to do a bunch of mm-hmm. stuff. Now, if we compare Christ's story to anything else, he didn't do a bunch right. of stuff. Like he didn't have possessions. He didn't have a place to lay his head. I don't think he went from tent to tent. I re- if I could recall that correctly, like he has skills as a carpenter or stonemason, however you interpret right. the skills of that day, he was able to do- use his hands for work, but he didn't have a palace. As a matter of fact, uh, the, the Jews of the that day were confused that he didn't roll in on a Rolls Royce, you know, like a shiny yeah. horse with a crown on his head to overthrow the Roman kingdom. Like they were looking at him like, you're not a shiny yeah. king. You're not the thing that we imagine. You're not this celebrity. Where is all of that? We thought you were going to roll in, rescue us from this oppressive society right. and take the throne and put everybody at bay. Like he came on a humble donkey. Mm-hmm. A mule, some kind of lowly Mm -hmm. animal he rode in on. Like he wasn't all Mm -hmm. that. But somehow society has shifted to where that has become what we ascribe to, what we aspire to accomplish. What we are trying to do is just do all the things so we can get all the things so we can be famous and be acknowledged Mm -hmm. and be recognized. And that's wearing people out mentally and emotionally. Mm -hmm. Like this lie of productivity. I think if we look at the history of humanity, just in in general, going from the Garden of Eden to where there was paradise and it was perfect. And basically Adam and Eve were just like chilling in the garden, enjoying the cool of the day. The spirit of the Lord would just go through the breeze and they were just having a good old time. They didn't have to labor. But since the fall happened, the consequences of the fall was like, you got to work by the sweat of your brow. You got to produce You do have to do something prior to that. It was just be fruitful and multiply after the fall. It was like, okay, you're, you are going to have to work the land. The, the, The ground is cursed. Mankind wasn't cursed, but the ground became cursed. And so now you have to work it. Now there's going to be thorns that come up. 
with with the roses. Now there's going to be weeds that grow up and you're going to have to deal with those and till those. So that like that became the yeah. first instance of pro- we have to do some mm-hmm. work and some labor. Mm-hmm. But I think over time it shifted to where we had an uh, agricultural society and we did have some nomads. I'm not going to say that we didn't have people who lived um, and especially as migration began to happen over the planet, we had people who lived, you know, out of doors and didn't necessarily tend to fields, but we also had agricultural society, especially at, in the birthplace of civilization. So we're, we, we see that you had people who had to work the land just to right. eat in order for people to eat. They had to go and, and reap the harvest and do the work and thresh the wheat on the threshing mm-hmm. floor and all this stuff. And over time, mankind has created um, machines and tools to help make that work a little easier. So we went from having none of those things available to us, but the creativity and ingenuity of mankind bringing in tools and machines and processes that help make that work easier. Well, with that came, you know, fast forward to more of our industrial society. We're building factories and huge industrial buildings with these large machines to make the work easier to produce more things to create more products so that life can be easy mm-hmm. i think about this tv show that i was watching and in the show it's it's um it's in the 1920s where it's based and so this is the frontier and where you're talking about the cowboys and you know uh, people who were basically living on the land but then they were building these cities these cities started to pop up and so this uh, cowboy was uh, going into the town with their people. And of course they're going to the local markets and the shops. And he walks up to this guy and this guy's like trying to sell him a washing machine. So this is the one that was basically a tub with a little board. You had to crank it with Mm -hmm. your hand. Um, But it was, you know, he's like, here's what you used to have to do. You know, here's the washboard and the bucket and you had to use your body to kind of press your clothes Mm -hmm. and all that. He's like, well, here's a machine that you can plug in and it's going to do all that work for you. So the cowboy looked at him and said, well, if if I get this machine from you, I got to buy the machine, right? He said, well, yeah, we can put you on a payment plan where you can take it, but then you have to pay each month for, towards the purchase of it because it's a very expensive machine. And then he said, well, if I bring the machine home, how am I going to run it? I don't have water. I'd have to go and get a water connection and I'd have to get electricity connected. And then that means you have to come to out. You have to run the wires. You have to connect all that to my house. And now I have to pay for the utilities to run. And so this is supposed to make my life easier. But as a matter of fact, for me to pay for the product, for me to pay for what I'm going to need to run the product, I got to go out and work even mm-hmm. more. And so when am I going to have time? to be with my family to like that, that just thought. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is amazing. You're putting this on television yeah. <laughs> because it's like, we're going to make your life easier. We're going to make it, you know, you don't have to work so hard, but then actually you do, you actually have to work yeah. harder. It's just a different type right. of work. It's not the physical rigor of having to use the washboard to get your right. clothes clean. It's that I have to go out and labor for someone else for them to pay me for me to pay, to have the convenience of all of these right. things. So that type of mentality has been created in our society Mm -hmm. where it's like, here, we want to make it easier. We're going to create something to lighten the load, but that cost is going to be more than just the money you pay. It's going to be the life you have to give up in order to maintain all Mm -hmm. of this. And yeah, it may be faster to get your laundry washed, 
But is it going to cost you your health because you're not physically using your body like you once did, Mm -hmm. you know, to do all of the household chores and to take care of all the things around? You're not using. So you're now having to pay for a gym membership to go work out and find time in your schedule after you spend eight hours at the office to go work out your body because you're not using your body. Like it's a whole you know, evolution in a sense Mm -hmm. of where we've come from as a society and built into this system of why we see what we see as far as our physical health is concerned, as far as our mental and emotional health Mm -hmm. is concerned, why people are struggling to a degree that we have never seen in history before. And it's just like a a perfect storm Mm -hmm. of all of these things that have put us in a position where we don't even see how damaging it is to live up to this lie of productivity Hmm. in order for us, even our school system, you and I have discussed this many times about the creation of the school system, not education, but the school system in order to produce people who could produce in order to train people to become employees so that they could feed this machine of industry to have people that will work these machines, have people that could do the work so that they could keep the producing going. Right. right? And so even if we don't, uh, from a modern society, understand all those facets in our own personal individual lives, I think we bought into this lie that we have to do a ton of things. Mm-hmm. And if we don't do a ton of things, we're not producing productive, right? We're not a good citizen. We're not a productive member of society. I know you've heard that phrase. I've heard that phrase. What does that even mean? What does being a productive member of society even mean? And I think we need to flip it on its head and maybe Mm -hmm. consider if I tap more into who I am, who I've been created to be, what my talents and skills and natural inclinations and temperament and interests are, and press into that versus mm-hmm. what I can make, it will naturally produce something from that. Like if mm-hmm. it's, you know, I think about the, some of the main um, intellectual figures that we look to like Einstein or some of the other inventors like Bell who invented, who they say invented the telephone, you know, other types that we've, you know, philosophers, Socrates, Plato, all of these people that we have attributed um, all of this, this intelligence to, how did they go about doing the things that they did? And I think if I recall correctly, they basically just existed. Right. Took note of what they did and enjoyed. They unschooled. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah. they basically just did the thing that they enjoyed and wanted to do, took note of it. Yeah. And then it, eventually it became a thing. Some of them during their time were ostracized for the things that they did. Mm-hmm. Were actually not accepted in society for the way that they went about um, creating what they did or producing what they did or saying some of the things that they did. It wasn't until later that people appreciated even some artists. Right. You know, if you think about a lot of the famous artists and going back to their work, they, they weren't appreciated. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until later. And so as they were just making the things and being who they were right. out of who they were became a, a piece of art or an invention or a thought Right. Or an idea or a concept out of just who they were and how they lived and engaged or with the things around them and the people around them. And I think we flipped it to where now it's what can you do? Can you make enough YouTube videos? Can you do enough of these type of things? Can you Mm -hmm. work in a job making six figures? Can you earn enough degrees? Can you do all of this stuff? That's what we look to first. Mm -hmm. And then from there we say, oh, okay, well, what is your contribution? 
instead of saying, well, let's start with who you are. Let's start with what you naturally have. Mm -hmm. Let's start with where you, um, your inclinations are and then build from that. Yeah, that's really good. So I want to ask, how do we overcome the lie of productivity and how do we begin to build a life that is more focused on who we are versus what we do, but also maintaining a, a sense of being able to create and produce and develop and ignite without the pressures of meeting somebody else's standard? What a great question to end this part of the two-part series on. So stay tuned for next week's episode where we will dig into the answer to those questions and maybe a little bit more. You will also receive the life work for this series. So be sure to listen in. That's it for this episode. If you have been enjoying listening, please consider sharing and subscribing to the podcast. And until next time, remember, you have been set free to live free. So choose freedom.